Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this latest episode of Garden State of Hockey. We only have one game to cover for today's episode, as we're going to be recording this before the beginning of the back-to-back weekend set against the Washington Capitals, which uh, we're very not excited for in terms of the Devils' past results. Um, I audibly groaned when the Devils announced on the broadcast of Tuesday's game that they're going to wear the reverse retro jerseys. And there's John expressing well, his distaste for the reverse retro jerseys and everything that comes with they them. They might as well hold up a sign that says, we ain't winning this game. And uh, they probably won't. And they didn't win on Tuesday either, despite being in a position to do so yet again. And this is a story that continues on a trend that we've seen many times this season where, you know, the Devils have some sort of lead. It doesn't necessarily have to be in the third period, but they really have issues holding on to it and pressing the play once they have that lead. They have issues with, um, you know, putting together a consistent 60-minute effort. And that was very visible in Tuesday's game as they went into the third period with a lead and left the building with a point in a shootout. And I don't even want to talk about the shootout once we get there because it's basically an auto loss at this point for New Jersey. Uh, None of their shooters seem like they're even trying to do anything creative. And it's, it's an eventuality basically that the other team will score at some point because the devils just won't. Yep. So uh, we've all heard that rant before we've all talked about it. So we know the result of this, but how did we get there? Well, we got there with some goal scoring from uh, some unexpected sources, I'd say, and then some expected ones as well. Yeah. So the start of this game went pretty well for the devils. Um, Early on, Boston came out pretty hard because Let's be. We have to we have to consider the context of this game. Mm-hmm. Dan. Boston has scored one even strength goal going into this game against the Devils in five opportunities. They are one. Uh, yeah, they're one four and oh, uh, sorry, one three and one against the Devils at this point. And uh, for some reason, they just can't figure this team out despite nope. any logic whatsoever. And so, and and oh yeah, on Sunday's game, Mackenzie Blackwood shut him out. You know, 40 saves out of 40, including a mind-boggling toe save at the death Yeah, that robbed them of an equalizer. If anything, this game had the result that was deserved on Sunday. Sort of. We'll we'll get to that. We'll get Mm -hmm. there. So anyway, so Boston comes out pretty well for the first minute or so, as you would expect. They're they're not happy. It's a post or two. Yeah, you know, they're bringing the house. And then... They they cause a turnover in Boston's end that P.K. Subban correctly picks off, keeps it inside the blue, hurls up a pass to Miles Wood, who's all alone in front of Yaroslav Halak. And surprise, surprise, Miles Wood finishes the drill. And less than 90 seconds in, it's one nothing New Jersey. Yeah, we're feeling good. It's another baffling lead for the Devils against Boston. Wood delivers mm-hmm. there. And a couple minutes later, it's rare that we say this, but Blackwood gave it back. Yeah, I mean, as as bad as the goaltending numbers have looked for for March, I did the March month in review. It's up on the site. Um, it went up yesterday on Thursday morning, so go check that out. The goaltending numbers do not look good, but we have said repeatedly on this show, and you have agreed, Dan, and the people who matter have also agreed that goaltending has not been this team's problem. Mm-hmm. Like the, the reason why the team went six, eight, and three in the month is not because the goaltenders went bad. However. Blackwood gave up a bad goal here. Uh, Nick Ritchie takes a feed from Na- from David Krejci. It's from a pretty easy location to stop from. There was no screen. Uh, Blackwood just misjudged the shot. It goes off his glove and in, and it's one-to-one. Boston finally scores a five-on-five goal against the Devils, and you start realizing, huh, 
how would a Devils Boston game go if the goaltending is not perfect for New Jersey? Because <laughs> in all these other games that we, you know, all these five other games, Blackwood or Wedgwood have been remarkably good. And this was sort of your realization of what happens if they're not. And at the beginning, but, the Devils weren't really punished for that. It, the punishment no. came in the sense that they had plenty of time to extend this lead further than they eventually did. They had plenty of Mm -hmm. opportunities to do so. And we're going to get back to probably the central theme of this game in that the power play and penalty kill, again, did not help them win. In fact, they led them to lose. And the penalty kill less so because Boston, you know, while they did score... Oh, no, they scored two power play goals, so I can't even excuse them for this one, but... No, they only scored one. Oh, they scored... Oh, they scored only the one... Okay, gotcha. So they only scored yeah. the one power play goal against, and the, the Devils gave them plenty of opportunities um, not to worry. Oh, yeah. But the Devils had so many power play opportunities of their own to stretch this lead, and on none of them did they score, but they did manage to find another goal through Mike McLeod, who scored the most Jesper yep. Braddy of goals that we've seen. Yep, it was a good counterattack uh, started by Ryan Murray. Jesper Boakvist, for his uh, first NHL assist of the season, throws it up, and McClaw just torches Boston on the left side to Halak's left. Um, McLeod cuts in and beats Halak with a backhander, and just before the 10-minute mark of the first period, it's 2-1 New Jersey. And you start realizing that as much as Boston has been pounding the net, and Boston would go on to pound the net in this yep. game— uh, Boston's approach to defense was incredibly strange. Like some plays, it looked like the Devils were almost taking 60 footers just because they they couldn't figure out how to break down the Boston defense. And then on the very next shift, Boston look, is like giving up grade A chances and saying, yo, Harslav, can you bail us out here? Um, that was my Boston Bruins accent. <laughs> yo. That, that was not very good. I, apo- <laughs> I apologize for that. Um, but the Devils held on. And normally if you're up 2-1 at Boston, um, you're looking pretty good. And the good times kept on rolling into the second period when um, a milestone happens. A great shift by Zajac, Brat, and Kwakinen. Um, I'm sorry, no, and Sharon Govich. Kwakinen and, Sher- and Brat switched lines for this game. And it definitely worked out for Brat's favor because uh, a great shift ends with uh, Brat just firing a wrister from the blue line. And Travis Zajac fought off Connor Clifton to get a stick on it. It gets deflected up and in to make it 3-1 New Jersey, and that is Travis Ajax's 200th goal as a New Jersey Devil. Yes, yeah, so, so congratulations to Zajac. Huge for him, and also keep in mind that this goal came after the Bruins had another one disallowed. The, the Bruins had Krejci oh, yeah. again run into Blackwood. Um, I guess he didn't learn the first time that running into the goalie while he's trying to make a save is an illegal action, but that goal was disallowed again, and the Devils, instead of finding themselves in a 2-2 game, find themselves up 3-1, but they're not really doing much to push the pace. They're getting... Goals no. off of sporadic opportunities, but they're not sustaining much. And this is already a troubling sign when their power play is doing one thing and one thing only. It is literally only slowing down their momentum. Every time they got a power play, they would generate one in an appropriate way. They would generate one by hustling along the boards, cycling well, using their speed. That's how you're supposed to generate power play opportunities. But every time they get on one, they gave Boston more and more confidence to believe that they mm-hmm. were still in the game. Every single power Power play looked worse than the one before it. Could they even set up in the zone? It was hard no. to say. And at this point, they should really just start declining them because there has to be some alternative to whatever it is that they think they're doing on the power play because this is not helping them win. In fact, it is actively making them lose at this point. Correct. And to that point, 
you know, the Devils had a glorious opportunity in the second period with Brad Marchand taking a roughing penalty. Uh, unfortunately, Brad, Brad Marchand would become one of the main characters of the second period. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit on that. But he takes a roughing penalty, and the Devils, they bring back the slingshot. And the thing with the Devils' power play, Dan, is that as much as people do not like seeing the slingshot, the back pass to one or two Devils as they try to break out and gain the Boston zone, they gain the zone perfectly fine. The problem is that the moment they gain the zone, you know, five on four, the Devils constantly put themselves in situations where they lose the puck easily. Whether it's Jack Hughes saying, okay, I'm going to go down the sideboards and look for a pass and nobody's open. Or I'm Pavel Zaka. I'm just going to dump this puck into the opposite corner hoping for a reverse only for a player to just pick that up and throw it away. And while Boston does have one of the best penalty kills in the league. The best penalty kill in the league. You don't need to be a Norris Trophy winner or a Selkie Award winner to <laughs> kill those types of power plays, yes. Dan. You're literally giving the pucks up to them and putting your guys in bad spots. Say what you want about drop passes and slingshots, but if if that's what you get to get the space needed for guys to get set up in their 1-3-1, then you do it. And case in point, Boston was able to do that to New Jersey, which did cost them in this period. But that being said... The Devils had a couple opportunities to make it 4-1 at the time. Miles Wood had a couple one-on-ones in this game, which unfortunately he did not finish. But hey, Wood scored one goal, so you can't really you know, pile on the guy for that. And then we get a very weird situation at the 13-minute mark, Dan. Where Jesper Bratt stands up for... I mean, Marshan was back to his shenanigans this game. He didn't play in the previous game, oh, yeah. but he's th- no. leaving his skates to hit Kulikov, which Bratt took exception to, and... Uh, Kind of wrestled him for a few seconds before, you know, being dominated by someone who actually fights sometimes. But that all. Be- but Marshawn is not even a big boy. No. He's officially listed at five nine and one eighty. So it's not like Marshawn is this big husky dude. No, he's just you know, he's more used to size. scrapping, though. Yeah, for for the obvious reason of the dude gets into scraps for a yeah. reason. And uh, strangely enough, this wasn't called fighting, even though Marshawn threw his threw his gloves yep, off. Yep. But they gave him matching roughing calls. And then during that four-on-four, Subban gets caught for slashing. Yes, that was a disastrous and... slashing call. There was no need to take that penalty no. whatsoever. And so, no. naturally, as Marchand and Brat leave the box, Marchand hops onto the power play unit. And, of course, as he does in every single game against New Jersey where he participates, he scores a goal. Well, except for the ones they were right, shut right, out right, of. Right, yeah. But, yeah. But Marchand, you know, the Devils were getting close to killing that penalty. They went for a line change, which, you know, it's the second period, so it's a long line change. Boston catches them, and Krejci finds Bergeron. Bergeron finds Marchand open in the high slot. Marchand takes a touch and then wings one past Blackwood. It's three to two. And that's how—okay, go ahead. But then the Devils get a gift. They get a wonderful gift. Yeah, they get a gift of a giveaway from a team that is potentially trading for the man himself, Kyle Palmieri. They decided, why don't we pad his stats a little bit to justify this deal? They give him the puck in the defensive zone, and Palmieri, you know, he's had a tough time scoring goals and finishing, but that is an opportunity that he will score every time. He did. Jeremy, it's funny, you know, Jack Hughes fire attempts to score off Halak's helmet. It doesn't go. There's an offensive zone faceoff. Hughes loses it to Bergeron because, of course, he's going to lose to Bergeron every time. Actually, I shouldn't be that mean. Hughes actually went seven for 15, which is actually close to 50 percent mm-hmm. that night. So we can't bust on the big deal for the um, faceoffs. But uh, I'm glad he lost that faceoff because Lazan just heaved it right to number 21 and 
Palmieri finished the drill. It's now four to two. And mind you, this is near the end of the second period. It's, you know, there was less than three minutes left. So this was a big pick me up after the PPG. And you're thinking, okay, the Devils are up four to two. They seem to have Boston's number. Now they just have to finish the drill. And Dan, did they finish the drill? They did not like they have not all year. No, they have not won a game by more than one goal since January, I think. Um, they, they have such a terrible, terrible time comfortably closing out games. They let it get to within one goal almost without fail. And in here, this game was no different. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that Boston legitimately started believing they were still in this game. They had seen vulnerability in Blackwood. They realized the Devils were not capitalizing on their chances. And midway, nope. it took midway through the third period, which was absolutely one-sided there was there was almost no devil's offensive presence in this period nor was there an attempt at much as boston tilted the ice and eventually got the goal that would half the lead and then eventually erase it entirely that's right and you know the devils they failed to keep the bruins honest enough there were a couple shifts where they did but again it wasn't enough and you can see that in the shot count you can see that in the attempt count i mean The Bruins ended up taking 19 shots on net in the third period. You know, they totaled 44 shots in regulation, Dan. And, you know, as much as you and I could sit there and go, well, they weren't all high danger chances. And, you know, hey, Blackwood made a lot of good saves. You know, the Devils really just got torn apart in the run of play in this regard. And, um, yeah, you know, know, eventually if you keep bombing the net, eventually you're going to give up a grade A opportunity. And case in point – Craig Smith fires a long shot. Blackwood makes a big pad save. The rebound comes out wide to the opposite side to Charlie McAvoy, who nobody was covering. Uh Uh, Michael McLeod is probably going to wish he did uh, since he literally looked him off and went, huh, he's going past me. I wonder why that is. And lo and behold, McAvoy scores on a rebound that Blackwood nor Brodor nor Hashik nor Wah was ever going to stop. So that makes it 4-3. And then, you know, Severson takes a high-sticking call. Thankfully, the Devils kill that penalty, yep. despite despite some great efforts by Boston. And then it comes down to another face-off loss. Um, funnily enough, Zajac lost this one to Krejci. Krejci back to Smith. Smith to Grelzik from the high slot. Whips it in. It's 4-4 four to four with four minutes left. Yeah, Grizzlick ties it up. And at that point, you're kind of hoping the Devils just emerge from this period with a point. Uh, because the way yep. they've been playing does not indicate that they want to leave here with a point. And it came real close no. again. It came... You know, Blackwood gave up four goals in this game, but they were really, you know, they have him to thank for that point. That's a Blackwood point secured again. Yeah, the first goal against was the only one you could really fault the guy on. I mean, Marshawn and Grelzik scored on really good shots from open locations. McAvoy was on a rebound, but, you know, but this is where the frustration really steps in. And this is what you were referring to with the special teams being annoying, because 18 seconds after Grelzik's goal, Patrice Bergeron, the legendary Patrice Bergeron, future Hall of Famer Patrice Bergeron, you know, one of the best defensive forwards of his generation, Dan, takes a hook and call. He's there. He's the a big reason why their penalty kill is first in the league, yep. and he is not on the ice. So you think that this nope. is a golden opportunity for New Jersey, and they maybe put together one of the worst power plays, not that I've seen this season, but maybe that I've seen ever. Well, the only nice thing you could say about the power play, Dan, 
is that they did not give up a shorthanded opportunity, which they did on Sunday. Mm-hmm. They gave up some shorthanded opportunities that made, you know, I'm sure gave Lindy Ruff an extra gray hair or lose a gray hair, whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. Uh, but no, this if you want to talk about wasted power plays, you know, not that the Devils had a lot of them. They had two of them in regulation, but those two were both at good opportunities to either put the game away or get back in the game. Um, and maybe, you know, force Boston to get extra desperate again at, at the at the end. But instead of taking care of the opportunities, they completely wasted it. They might as they might as well have just passed the puck between um, P.K. Subban and Damon Severson in their own zone for two minutes, because that would have been more effective than whatever the hell they were doing. And everybody, you know, again, they get they cross the blue line just fine, Dan. But the minute they cross that blue line, all of a sudden, Pavel Zaka is like, huh, how do I pass a puck? How do I hit one of my teammates? Huh. I'm Diego Sharangovich. I suddenly am not interested in shooting nor making a play. Huh. I'm Jack Hughes and I'm a playmaker and yet nobody's making themselves open so I can make a play. It's remarkably frustrating. To watch. Yeah, it's a it's extreme and it's an exercise in just pointlessness and attrition as the devil's power play continues to just beat everyone down and by beat everyone down it mean i mean the fans um our emotional state is highly compromised whenever the devil's power play takes the ice because they are terrible they are so 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 mm-hmm. bad and not just in regulation but we get to overtime oh, no. and it seems like the devils have had a power play opportunity in almost every overtime they've played and have done so remarkably little with those opportunities but not only that it was the only time in this overtime where it feel, felt like they had the puck correct because the first half of this overtime it was all boston it was literally all boston all the time and then thankfully charlie mcavoy uh, drew a slash on uh, Severson going one-on-one with Halak, um, which is remarkable because that was like the first time the Devils actually had an offensive opportunity in that entire overtime. Um, and it came after a diving save from Mackenzie Blackwood. Maybe Jesper brought stick, stopped the puck. But, you know, the Devils were getting their you-know-what pushed in ever since the power, the power play of the third period ended and Blackwood literally bailed them out to get to overtime and then they continued getting bodied. And then you get this four-on-three opportunity, Dan. And what does the first unit that come out, comes out look like? Two defensemen. <laughs> well, it, that, it would be one. I'm not mad about two defensemen. I'm kind of mad about two I'm, defensemen. Well, here, well, here's what I'm really mad mm-hmm. about. First and foremost, we got to see Zaka, who was a total turnover machine in, in this game, constantly be the point, you know, the point of attack for this four-on-three situation. You stick Kyle Palmieri in front of the net. Again. And I hate... And I understand the, the canards. I understand the narrative. I understand. I can already hear Ken Danico in my head going, you know, you got to, you know, you got to get, you know, traffic in front. You know, you can't just lock, see the shot. Look, it's a four on three. When you stick a man in front of the goaltender, you made it a three on three. You literally took away your own man advantage. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, I don't know. It's, then, it's like a, do you call it a game planning error? What do you call it at this point? It's a coaching error. It's a total tactical failure. And it gets worse, Dan, because after about a minute or so of wasting around with this, while they had possession at least, then you throw out the second unit of Jack Hughes, which is a good person to put out on a power play, Dan. Jesper Bratt, another good person to put out on a power play. Sammy Vatnin and Miles Wood. (sighs) Not even Ty Smith. You're not even trying Ty Smith. If you have to use a defenseman, how about the guy who's been racking up points here and there, you know, 
who, who can activate really well. You want to use him? No, let's go with Sammy. We need that slap shot. And then you're going to stick, again, Miles Wood in front of the net. I know he scored a goal in this game, but you notice he didn't score a goal by standing in front of Halak. He scored it while going to the net. <laughs> so the Devils literally throw away a great opportunity to win this game in overtime with a very pathetic four-on-three power play, which, again, you know, the last time they had a four-on-three power play, I know they didn't score on it, but they came close a couple mm-hmm. times, you know, so you can at least say, hey, they tried, you know, sometimes it just doesn't happen. But in this case, they just made it easier for Boston. And then again, we go to a shootout and, it, you know, it's, it's legit so pointless was- to talk about. And also the shooting choices of Zaka, Palmieri, no, and um, who's the last one? Nobody. Oh, nobody, nobody. because yeah, Boston finished it before that. Yeah. Yeah, they both rounded uh, Blackwood um, around the left toe both times. You could, I guess, if you want to be picky, you could argue that Coyle technically pulled the buck, puck backwards, which is not legal. And let's but be real. It wouldn't have hell? mattered. It doesn't matter. I mean, you know, I I mean, every gracious. time it goes to a shootout, and I think this is the case for the last at least four seasons of Devils hockey that I've watched. So not even including the disastrous 0-13 in shootout mark. Um, it has not felt for a second like they would win any of these shootouts. And that is a right. systemic a disaster. If they did. Yeah. At, at some point, you have to realize who your shooters well, are. And, you know, again, Michael McLeod scores a beautiful, beautiful, you know, one-on-one effort with Halak. I would have rather given the McLeod a shot over Zaka, who has been not just bad in this game, but he's been bad all yeah, month. Yeah, and... Like, Hot Streak from February died when the calendar turned Jesper Bratt's got the best hands on the team, and he's not allowed to take shots. No, it's it's not. I mean, I know Hughes got a chance once. He sure got a chance once. But Palmieri has never been good on the shootout. Zaka decided to pull a Kovalchuk thinking, ah, I'm just going to skate real fast and take a quick shot, which... Yeah, it works if you're Ilya Kovalchuk, but not when you're Pavel Zaka. Yeah. And, <laughs> so, and, you know, it's it's uh, that's just a microcosm of the bigger problems. Again, if, if they played properly in regulation, they wouldn't have even had to deal with this. And it's troubling because Zaka, like you said, is showing major signs of just regressing back to not just the middle, but absolutely nothing. Um, Jack yeah. Hughes still looks like a baby deer out there. Um, well, he's been trying to make the plays. Like he had five shots in that. Yeah, game, but so, I mean, in recent games, he's done a lot more stumbling than he had before. He's done a lot more careless work right. with the puck. He's he's a lot less. He's making a lot of decisions that aren't as good as they were at the beginning of the season. He's doing no. a lot of things where he overplays the puck, where he you know skates past yeah. it. He's fallen how many times out of nowhere? Like it's just, right. it's clear that something is affecting him in that way. And again. We, we heard that he had maybe one of the worst cases of COVID on the team as well. So that probably set him back a significant amount as this is continuing to be the weirdest season possible. But one person who the Devils and the, yeah, to recap, 5-4 shootout loss to Boston. But one person. Yeah, they threw away points. In this yeah, game. one person who could have helped him in the shootout and probably this is his only purpose is Nikita Gusev. And Nikita Gusev was put on waivers uh, at time of recording this morning. So um, by the time the episode goes up tomorrow, we'll have an idea of whether or not he was claimed. I can't imagine he will be for the size of his contract. But um, yeah. if some team needs to take a chance on potentially a uh, you know a prolific winger, clearly he has not worked in Lindy Ruff's system. Clearly he cannot keep no. up with the system. And clearly, you know, he has a lot of other things on his mind that are preventing him from 
being the playmaker we saw last year. He has looked lost on the puck. He's looked lost in yep. the run of play. He's looked lost defensively. Yep. He can't finish yep. an opportunity to save his life unless it's within the last 13 seconds of a game. It's a it's been a disastrous season, and so he got waves. So the Devils could have more flexibility with their taxi squad as well if he clears. Because yeah. the Devils have a couple of new additions to the pro level, and we talked about them last week, but they started officially practicing with their respective teams as uh, Arnie Talvity suited up for Binghamton and participated in the game, and Tyce Thompson skated with the big club in New Jersey and um, looks on slate to get you know draw into a game uh, in the next yep. couple weeks. Yeah, Tyce Thompson's uh, entry-level contract starts this season, so he is eligible to do so. Talvite's entry-level contract with New Jersey will start next season, so he'll be in Binghamton, or with Binghamton, I should say, since they're technically not in upstate New York for this season. But uh, let's go back to Gusev mm-hmm. for a little bit, Dan, because this is, again, and we I've mentioned this before on this show. I mentioned this after recordings, before recordings. I even mentioned it in the month in review that, you know, in March, Gusev only played six games. Mm-hmm. And mind you, the Devils played 17 games in March. So it wasn't like a lack of opportunities for him to come into the lineup. And even if you can argue that Gusev, you know, he doesn't really fit well in a chaotic, fast-paced system, you know, you know, in theory, his skill set would be very ideal for a power play where you want to be more deliberate and a, little, a lot more patient with the puck. And in the few times he's been on the power play for the Devils this season, he's been a turnover machine. Like, he, he's another guy that, you know, you know, as much as some outsiders may want to say the devils have been trying to cram a round peg into a square hole with him. You know, the harsh reality is, as you said, he's been so bad this season, you know, that he, he was scratched many times in this month and nobody was out. They were deserved no scratches. Fit. I don't think anyone who watches exactly. this team would say that they weren't deserved. And I think a lot of outside observers are honestly shocked to even see how bad the numbers have been because you expect more yeah. from Gusev. And there are players on this team who managed to have numbers that are nowhere near that despite the team having the record that it does. So it's not a team issue anymore. It is an issue of no. him specifically just not meshing well um, anymore with the new system that they've brought in. And it's clear to see yeah. why. There's, there's so many reasons for it that we can point to and that we did point to. But um, like I said, it's I think it's unlikely just given the types of players who have gone through waivers recently that Gusev gets picked up. Um, yeah, his contract is pretty hefty, and that's one of the big concerns ahead of the deadline is, you know, a lot of teams are feeling the cap crunch, especially knowing that the cap may not raise for next season. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're 81, excuse me, over half the league is like barely below the limit or they're below it just because of long-term injured re, injured reserve relief. So, you know, e- unless even if the Devils retain a lot of salary, there's still not a lot of teams that can literally afford the man. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but it's 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 surprising in the bigger picture, Dan, because last season, you know, we were pretty we were deservedly and understandably hyped for Mm -hmm. Gusev. I thought it was a great idea to pick him up. And after a rough couple months, he acclimated well in New Jersey. And, you know, there was reason to think that, you know, one of the bigger problems that Tom Fitzgerald now has to solve is figuring out, okay, you're going to build around Hughes and Heischer, who are going to be the top wingers to build around. And, you know ahead of the season, I think it would be fair to say we were expecting a lot of out of Palmieri, Gusev, Brat, and um, Janssen. And out of those four, Dan, only Brat is a guy that you can actually legitimately say, like, yeah, he's a top six winger for the future. Palmieri may not be a devil, you know, by, you know, in three shows. Gusev being on waivers means I don't think he has a future here in New Jersey, and I wouldn't be shocked if he's not even traded, because 
you know, if you can't get Gusev for free, I can't imagine a team's going to say, yeah, I'll give you an asset for Nikita Gusev. Yeah. And Janssen, oh boy, he might be the next to go. He might have to be staying on the roster just for uh, expansion bait. Um, but yeah, you know, the the fall of the goose, unfortunately, is uh, disheartening because, you know, he was legitimately exciting last season. He was, le- it looked like it was finally working out. And then new system, he's had 20 games in New Jersey. Um, he's gotten power play opportunities. So you can't say the Devils didn't try with this guy. It literally just doesn't work out. Yeah, and we'll see where he ends up going, um, you know, by tomorrow. But it, it, it is a matter of, <sighs> there's just so many issues that he's been dealing with. And I wonder, I, I don't think there's a real chance that they hold on to him in the off season, just given what we've seen here. But I do wonder if there's that consideration of, he had a lot of issues adjusting to the NHL play to start the season for many months last year. And mm-hmm. then everything yes. got interrupted. And like right when he was making that adjustment, right when he was really cresting that uh, wave of productivity that he wrote at the end of last year. But again, everything shut down. They came back months later, but there was a lot of nothing in between. And so maybe that adjustment just didn't mesh, especially when the new system emphasizes the one aspect that as a skilled playmaker, he does not have, which is speed. He does not have the speed necessary to keep up with the system of run into the zone, throw a shot on net, then leave. And not that it's a good system, but it definitely is not for him. No, it isn't. And and to be fair, there are players on this current roster that have have made themselves, you know, equip themselves quite well in the run of play, despite not being the fastest or swiftest of skaters. Like Nathan Bastion is certainly not a fast player, but he had some of the best five on five numbers on the team uh, before his injury. Uh, Travis Zajac, who had a really good month, you know, he's not a fast guy, but he meshed really well with a very quick uh, Kwakadin and Sharon Govich. Mikhail Maltsev, I think, has been knocking on the door of being a regular and ditto for Nick Merkley, both two guys who aren't exactly fantastic skaters. But uh, to your point, Dan, you know, Gusev is not that, you know, so you don't have to be a quick guy to play in this system. But if you can't keep up with the run of play, if you're constantly going to be losing the puck, if you're not going to make the right decisions. And I think the other killer for Gusev is that he's not very good on, on you know, on defense. Yep. Like he's not really much of a factor. So it's a class it's you know i hate to use this comparison point because i did not like his second season in new jersey but it's very similar to michael Ryder, where if he isn't contributing on offense what is he actually giving mm-hmm. you exactly and so the devils decided that they'd rather have the flexibility they have a lot of prospects that they could try out on the wing now that the stakes are you know not really playoff <laughs> involved um but they they have a lot of different options to try and see who fits with these centers especially with Nico Heischer on the cusp of coming back uh, it appears within the next week or two so fingers crossed that that happens and fingers crossed that they're able to put together some better performances than we've seen this season against Washington um this weekend coming up so i i think that's all i've got for this episode how about you john well i will say i'm looking forward to seeing what Tyce Thompson can do mm-hmm. Um, he played very well in Providence. Um, it's a classic example of a guy who, um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to be the scoring winger of the future, but he's a he's one of these guys that you draft late and you hope he turns into a professional player and signs are looking good so far that they're doing so. Um, you know, we'll see what he does it, given the situation. It'll be interesting to see where he slots in, what opportunities they give him because, you know, as as critically bad as the power play has been dan they have been willing to at least give guys certain shots Mm -hmm. you know 
Like we saw Merkley get some power play time. We saw Sharon Govich and Kwakinen and, you know, we can argue about whether or not they should have, some of those guys should have gotten opportunities earlier, but at least they've been given opportunities. I mean, it's so incredible. I, Every I, time I, they put Brad out there, he either enters the zone and gives them some sort of possession or assists on a goal, and they just flat out refuse to keep him out there consistently. It is baffling to me. You know, the Devils scored five power play goals in the month of March, mm-hmm. Dan, and he was involved in four. Okay, so that should tell you everything you need to know, and it's still so confusing as to why they just insist on not having one of their best skill players on a moment which Mm -hmm. requires skill. And that's something that, you know, I think the person who will get the most, the person or people who will get the most scrutiny this season is not going to be Lindy Ruff. Lindy Ruff came into a team that was reeling already and then a team that got hit by a pandemic throughout the whole lineup. So, or hit by a virus right. that affected their performance. And so, again, he gets more of a grace period than anyone else. But the lack of strategic mix-up, the, the lack of any sort of innovation or changing things that aren't working by Recky and Nazardine have been, you know, Nazardine, the penalty kill has, for the most part, righted itself uh, to a serviceable extent. It's something that... They were... They were a top 10 kill in March. Yep, and it, it's something that the Devils are no longer pointing to as an active detriment to their team. But the power play is an active detriment to the team. It Even if Absolutely. it doesn't yield shorthanded goals, it just destroys any of their game flow. And for a team that emphasizes keeping the speed of the game high, when they take two minutes to slow it down and just get frustrated, it inspires hope in the other team. It puts it at a pace that the other team can handle a lot better. And that is something that has to change. And so we'll see if that changes at all, um, you know, with the personnel potentially getting shipped out of the deadline, which we'll talk about um, as we approach it closer. But yeah, there's got to be a lot that's fixed, but for the most part, again, we're just seeing what works at this point. Um, there, there's really no thought in anyone's mind that they're going to make the playoffs, nor was there no. um, even at the beginning of the season. But uh, that all being yeah. said, we'll catch you after the Washington series, and hopefully we're talking yep. about at least one win here. I mean, they have to get one out of eight, right? I hope so, Dan, but my confidence levels are pretty low. This may be, you know, an Easter where, you know, the Devil series will be thankfully buried and kept in the grave um, after Sunday. Yeah. Um, because this is the last two games against Washington this season. In fact, this month of April, we'll see the end of a lot of season series. Uh, we're going to see the end of the Capitals this month. We're going to see the end of the Sabres shortly thereafter the Capitals series next week. Um, there are five games against Pittsburgh in April, so you're going to finally finish that season series up. And then we got the week of hate. We got the flyer, the end, almost the end of the flyers. So, you know, we're near the end. Of, it doesn't feel like it, but we're really close to the end of the season. Yep. And it, But, you know, there's just going to be four games literally every week until the final, you know, May 10th. Yep. So, you know, en- enjoy this three-game week. <laughs> enjoy the extra break. Enjoy the Saturday off because um, – after next Saturday, every Saturday has a game. Every Sunday is going to have a game in April. Every Tuesday and Thursday have a game in April after tonight. So, you know, the calendars are booked. But, Dan, I hope to be wrong, and maybe the Devils will somehow eke out a win, maybe the ugliest win possible mm-hmm. on Friday or Sunday. I'm at the point of just get one. Just get one W so you don't get swept. Because, unfortunately, Dan, 
it's entirely possible the Devils could get swept by Washington, if only because Washington is currently getting bodied by the Islanders as we're recording, and they may want to take it out on the Devils oh, tomorrow. Boy. Well, we'll uh, we'll see the result of that tomorrow. Thanks again for joining us on the podcast. We will uh, catch you after the weekend, and everyone stay well, stay healthy, and let's go Devils. Go Devils, prove us wrong. Go Devils.